The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Everybody say something good is going to happen. Come on, let's say it again. Something good is going to happen. You say, well, why do you say that? Because Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 tells me that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now to him, everybody say it, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Do we really believe that or is it just a Bible verse that's nice? Do, we, do you really believe that God is able to exceed what you're praying for? Do, do you really believe that God is not only able to exceed, but exceeding, exceed it abundantly, above and beyond? The above and beyond blessing of God. Because I, I, I know that there are two types of people in this world. There is a, there is a, and, and let's see if you can analyze yourself. Some people are, something's good going to happen, and other people are, something bad's going to happen. Uh, how many of you can identify with one of those? How many of you know somebody, we're not talking about you, know somebody that's a something good's going to happen person? How many of you know people like that? How many of you also know people that, uh, something bad's going to happen type of person? You know that, don't you? There's, uh, there's something bad going to happen. Do you know what? I want you all to be something good's going to happen type people because that's the mindset that God wants us to have. The mindset that says something good's going to happen. Something good's going to happen. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, something good's going to happen to you this year. You're going to have a baby, so that's something's good. That's awesome. A little river castle is coming in, in April. How awesome is that? Something good. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. Something good is going to happen to you. Happen to you this very day. Something good is going to happen to you. Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way. Stick the preaching, somebody just said. I think we ought to be singing that all the time. Something good is going to happen to you. Why is that? Because we live in a world filled with bad news. Do you know that the media actually go for bad news over good news? Why? Because bad news sells more newspapers than good news. And so everybody has this secret fear of bad things happening. And it's like they get a relief when bad things happen to somebody else rather than themselves. Because they fear that bad things are going to happen to them. I'm telling you, that is not what I want you to have in your life this year. 
I, I'm wanting you to come into 2015 with an expectation of miracles, an expectation that something good is going to happen, an expectation that this is going to be the best year ever. Because I'm, I'm, I want you to get this today, that expectation is the environment of miracles. If you want miracles, you need to expect them. If you don't expect them, you won't see them. But if you expect them, you'll begin to see them. So this morning, I'm going to give you the biblical evidence for what I'm saying. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Mark chapter 5? And I want to give you five simple little illustrations regarding expectation being the environment for miracles. Expectation being the environment for miracles. So let's start in Mark chapter 5, verse 17, where there was no expectation. So how many of you remember the story of Jesus going to the region of the Gadarenes? And in the region of the Gadarenes, there was a man who was tormented by evil spirits that nobody could tame. And Jesus spoke the word and released this man from the evil spirits. And the man was sane and the man was set free. And the man became clear in his thinking, became clear in his communication, was able to actually go back to his home and live a normal life. When the people of the Gadarenes saw this, rather than saying, Whoa, the miracle worker has come here. Wow, we're going to expect God to do miracles. This is what it says in verse 17. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. So their expectation was nothing. Matter of fact, their expectation was negative. And so they actually told Jesus, we don't want you here. We want you to leave. We don't want you in our region. We want you to leave. Now, let me tell you what's interesting. A few years ago, I was ministering in Jordan. While I was ministering in Jordan, I actually had the opportunity of speaking to a whole bunch of pastors that are pastoring churches in Jordan. And you would not believe who turned up. He said, who turned up? The pastor of the Assemblies of God Church in Gadara turned up. The same place. We actually have an Assemblies of God church in Gadara. And do you know what he said to me? He said, nothing's changed in this place. He said, it's still the hardest place in the world to minister. He says, the place is filled with witchcraft. The place is filled with demon worship and, 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 and dark spiritual activities. He says, in, in all the places that I've ever been, this place is still the hard place. You know why it's a hard place? Because they removed Jesus from the center, had no expectation for him to do anything amazing. But then let's contrast this with Jesus then getting into the boat leaving Gadara and going to Capernaum, which is just across the Sea of Galilee, maybe 15, 20 kilometers away. And so what we find here in, in, uh, in chapter 5, verse 23, that, that this, well, let's read from verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jarius by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, my little girl lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she 
will live. What a contrast between the expectation. You're not going to do anything, so get out of here. To the expectation, Jesus, if you come to my house, if you come to my house and you lay hands on my little girl, I expect that she's going to be healed. Would you come? What a contrast. Leave to come. We want you to leave because we don't believe in you. We want you to come because we believe in you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to my house. Come to my place because I'm expecting that if you come, something powerful is going to happen. Where do you sit? Where do you sit? Are you saying to Jesus, leave? Or are you saying to Jesus, come? Are you expecting bad things? Or are you expecting good things? Because expectation is the environment for miracles. So Jesus is on his way. He's on his way going to Jairus' house. And how many of you know what happened when he's on his way? This woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. How many of you know the story? Just one of the most amazing Bible stories in the New Testament. This woman who had been in sickness for 12 years. The Bible says that she had absolutely given away all of the money to the doctors and the surgeons and to everybody to get well. And nothing had happened. If anything, she grew worse. But she wakes up this morning with an expectation. Jesus is in town. Jesus has come to my town. And if only I can just touch the hem of his garment. If only, if only I can just get close enough to him to touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to be healed. She woke up that day with expectation. How many of you know that Jesus was surrounded by people, but not too many had expectation? But this woman approached him with expectation. There were others that were touching him, but they weren't getting healed. But this woman approached with expectation, believing that if she touched the hem of his garment, something would happen to her. And as it was, as soon as she touched, something happened. And Jesus turned around and said, whoa, somebody touched me. And the disciple says, of course they are. Everybody's touching you, but somebody touched me. Somebody touched me with expectation. And something left me. The power left me and entered. Who was it that touched me with expectation? Jesus was asking a simple question. Well, this woman was so used to rejection that she felt that she was going to be rejected at that moment. With fear and trembling, she put up her hand and said, it was me. And rather than seeing the snarl of Jesus, she saw the smile of Jesus. And basically, what Jesus was trying to say was, everybody was touching me, but not too many were touching me with expectation, except this woman. There was something in her heart that believed that if she could touch me, she'd get healed. And she was. Woman, great is your faith. And he applauded her. For her expectation, she received her healing. How many of you are approaching the presence of God with expectation today? Because there are many people across the world that are in the very presence of Jesus, but they're not there with expectation. They're there to observe. They're there to enjoy. They're there for the spectacle. They're there for the entertainment. They're there for the music. They're there for the lights. They're there for this and that. 
But those that are there with expectation in their heart, we're in the presence of the King of Kings. We're in the presence of the Lord of Lords. We're in the presence of the creator of the universe. Something good is going to happen. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out for miracles. Then what we see in chapter 6 is the event changes. We go from Gadara to Capernaum. And the story with Jairus, his daughter, is that absolutely, when Jesus arrived, he raised the little girl from the dead. He met Jairus' expectation. He met the woman's expectation. But then we find Jesus goes to another town called Nazareth in Mark chapter 6. Gadara, Capernaum, Nazareth. And in Nazareth, This is where he was brought up. This is where he had his carpentry shop before he launched into ministry. Jesus had to be 30 before he launched into ministry. It was part of the the Jewish culture that you weren't seriously seen as mature until you reached 30 years of age. Incidentally, in April, our church is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Something spiritually significant, prophetically significant is going to happen this year, I'm telling you. And so he goes to Nazareth, and, and it was the same Jesus that walked through the streets of Capernaum. He's walking through the streets of Nazareth, but now the people, rather than being filled with expectation, something good. Is this not the carpenter? Doesn't his relatives live here? Where did he get all this stuff from? Who does he think he is? What's going on here? And rather than approaching him with expectation, they approached him with indignation. And so this is what the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, verse 5. He could do no mighty works there, except that he laid hands on a, a few sick people and he healed them. But the mighty works that he had done in Capernaum, He wasn't able to do in Nazareth. Why is that? Because the atmosphere of expectation was not there. Come on, one more illustration just to prove my point here. Turn to to Mark chapter 6, verse 53. So when he crossed over, he goes to the land of Gennesaret. So we went from Gadara. This This is a geographical tour of Galilee. It's all, these are little towns around the Sea of Galilee. They're not that far away from each other. So you've got Gennesaret is only about um, three kilometers southwest of Capernaum. Uh, Nazareth's about 10 kilometers west of Capernaum. And Jesus' base was Capernaum. And so just a few kilometers from Capernaum is Gennesaret. Gennesaret is really near the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus shared the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what it says when he entered Gennesaret. And when they'd come out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. And they ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were healed. Wow, what a contrast between Nazareth and the Gadarenes. 
in the gatherings, they wanted him to go away. Here they wanted, please come. In, in, in Nazareth, they didn't believe in him. Here in Gennesaret, oh, we believe in you. We're expecting you. We'll get our sick people. We'll get them out of bed. We'll get them out of homes. We'll get them wherever they are. We'll put them into the marketplace. And all they've got to do is just, you just walk past them. They'll touch the hem of your garment and they'll be healed. We're expecting God to do miracles. And this is what the Bible says. As many as touched him were made well. As many as touched him were made well. I put it before you today emphatically that expectation is the environment for miracles. And at North Shore Christian Center this year, I want us to create an environment of expectation. I want us to come to church as expectant people believing that God is going to be in the house, that God is a miraculous God, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, that there is nothing too difficult for God, that God is able to do the miraculous in our midst. And if we come with expectation, we will create the environment for Miracles. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand of praise. Woo! <clears throat> let's look at what expectation looks like. Because I really believe that we need to position ourselves with expectation for miracles. Let's, look at, let's have a look at what expectation looks like. Let me tell you a story. When, when we opened this building in 1997, God laid it upon our hearts that we were going to be involved in television ministry. And seriously, it was like a million miles away. Television ministry for us, we're a church of three or 400 people. It was like, are you kidding me? That's what the, the big boys do. That's what the big churches do, not, not churches of our size. You don't get involved in television ministry. But you know what we did to position ourselves with expectation? We actually bought TV equipment. Channel 9 was getting rid of some of their analog equipment. And so we grabbed hold of it. And we had cameras that were actually used to broadcast Channel 9 programs. We ended up buying ABC cameras that would actually telecast Parliament House for many years on the ABC. We bought some of those cameras. And we had all the cameras, all the equipment for the TV ministry. The only problem was that there was no doors opened up for TV ministry. But we had all the equipment. And so what we did is that we positioned ourselves with expectation. Let me tell you, after we bought it, they sat in a, they, we, we tried to put them up and, and we got a few people trained and it was fine, and, but nothing opened up. Nothing opened up for a year. Nothing opened up for two years. Nothing opened up for three years. We had all this equipment and people were thinking, why did you buy all that equipment and nothing's happening? Nothing happened for three years. Nothing happened for four years. After five years of being positioned with expectation, I got a phone call from a friend of mine called Gary Costello. And Gary says to me, it has not, not, not relations to Abbott, just uh, Gary Costello. And, and Gary says, John, would you like to go on television? And I said, would I what? 
He says, I've got a half hour slot that, uh, that, that you can get. And I said, what are you talking about? What is it going to cost you? He says, actually, it's not going to cost you very much at all. Just get some videos or whatever and we'll put it on. And, and I said, just get a video. And we'll, he said, anything, but we've got to get it started. Well, you know what? Within a few months, we had life source television happening. That was 12 years ago. And, uh, and since then, we've actually literally touched hundreds of thousands of people through that television ministry simply because we positioned ourselves with expectation. And even though for five years, everything said, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, the day came when the door opened and we weren't with our backs facing the opportunity. We were already there to step in. Why is that? Because we positioned ourselves with expectation. And 12 years on, there are people that are in this church that the reason you're in this church is because you've seen us on television and you've said, I got to get myself to North Shore Christian Center. Come on, give the glory to God for positioning yourself. So what does expectation look like? Your expectations are affected by two things. First of all, what you believe about God. And secondly, your pre-programmed mindsets. Let's talk about this. What you believe about God affects your expectations. What's your God concept? What do you really, not, not what your theology is, because anybody can learn a theology. You can go to a Bible study and learn a theology. I'm not talking about what's in your head about God. It's what's in your heart about God. Because it's what's in your heart that determines the way that you actually respond to God. So I want to talk to you about just four key revelations that will get you started. Okay, the first revelation, and again, it's got to, it's, it's got to get out of here and into your heart. You've actually got to believe that God is good. Now, now I'm telling you, you said, but that's, that's so simple. That is so kindergarten stuff. I mean, we say it out of cliche, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. But, it's, but is it really in your heart or is it just a cliche? Do you really believe that God is good? Or do you really believe that if, if God were really good, why is there suffering in the world? Have you worked that one out yet? That God can still be good and there'd be suffering in the world. And it's got nothing to do with the goodness of God. He said, but, but how does that work? Simply like this. That God in his goodness has given you the gift of free will. And he doesn't take the free will away from you. He lets you operate it. And so the suffering that is in the world is not God's doing, but man's doing. And man's given the free will to do what he wants to do. How many of you know that overnight... If we really wanted to, as a world population, we could remove poverty from the world just like that. We have enough wealth on the world. We have enough wealth to make everybody a millionaire. We have enough. If, if we were able to divide the wealth of the world and distribute it evenly, there would be no poverty. Nobody would have no water to drink if we just did all of our bits. It's just an amazing thing. that the, I was just walking down Manly, and it basically there was this sign saying, one out of six people in the world don't have clean drinking water. Five out of six can make a difference. The point is we can if we want to, but we don't. And so if you get a coffee today, if you get a coffee today, we've got coffee for water. 
So if you drink your coffee for free, that's fine. We're able to be generous and give you the coffee for free. But if you'd like to, you could put $50 into the little tin and that helps us dig a well for somebody in Cambodia. You say, 50 bucks for a cup of coffee? No, the coffee is free. The coffee is free. But you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Same with the meal today. You know, the, the, the meal is for free, but you can give a $100 donation to the Bible League and let us get some Bibles to some persecuted Christians. You say, what? Are you charging 100 bucks for the meal? No, the meal is free. It's free. But what can you do? Can you make a difference in your world? And so we're giving you the opportunity to make a difference in your world. We're, God is good, but are you? That's the question. You know, so, so, so let's not blame God for the suffering that's happening in this world. Matthew 7, 11, a fantastic scripture that says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Come on, God's good! He wants to give you good things. You've got to believe that. You've got to position yourself with that mindset. Second thing that's so important for you to get a revelation of is that God is able. God, there is nothing too difficult for God. Everybody say there's nothing too difficult for God. The scripture that I just shared with you right at the very beginning, I opened up with Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able. He is able. There is nothing too difficult for him. He is able to do the miracle. He is able to create the universe. He is able to speak and the world's come into being. He is able. Do you believe that he is able? Or does your situation seem too difficult for him? So you've got to get it out of here into here. You've got to get it out of the theology of your head to he is able. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got it there. It's got to be in your heart that he is able. There is nothing too difficult for him. He is able to do the miracle. He is able to reconstruct. He is able to turn it around. Have you positioned yourself with that belief system? The third thing that you need to get right is that God is gracious. That God is a God full of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Grace is the gift of God. Grace. All grace is. A really easy definition of grace is this, that God gives what we don't deserve. Everybody say, God gives us what we don't deserve. That's, that's grace. Again, we've got to get, get it out of our head that we have to earn the good things from God. We have to earn our miracle. We have, to, we have to do all this stuff, work stuff. Now, what you've got to do is receive. That's what you've got to do. You've got to position yourself with expectation. That's what you've got to do. But you don't earn it. See, when we're talking about the grace of God, you've got to position yourself with expectation to receive. So there is your part to play. But in your part to play, it's got nothing to do with you earning it, with you deserving it. Because I've done all these things. 
I've put my money in. I've put my money in the tin. I, you know, I didn't get the coffee for free. I actually put some money in for water. I didn't get my meal for free. I actually put in some money for the Bible League. I deserve God to give me a miracle. No, that's not grace. Grace is you can't do anything to deserve it, but you position yourself to receive it. So there is a part that you play, but it's got nothing to do with deserving it. It's the grace of God. Do you believe in the grace of God? Or do you sit there saying, do you know what? This calamity's come upon me and I deserved it. Are you kidding me? My goodness, if God gave us what we deserved, we'd all be dead. It'd be all over for all of us. It's God's grace that doesn't give us. See, the God's grace is that God gives us what we don't deserve God's mercy, he get hold of this. God's mercy is that God doesn't give us what we deserve. How I many of you know there's a big difference between grace and mercy? Huh? How many of you are excited about that? That God doesn't give us what we deserve. That's mercy. And Ephesians 2:4 says, But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which, which, with which he has loved us. How awesome is that? For us to understand the grace of God, the mercy of God. For us to understand the goodness of God, the ability of God. If we can get those four things sorted, God's incredible goodness, God's incredible ability, God's incredible grace, and God's incredible mercy, then we can actually position ourselves with expectation, believing that God is going to do some miracles in our lives. Let me finish this morning. You can come up, David. What are you expecting this year? What are you expecting this year? Have you actually started to journal some expectations? Let me challenge you. How many of you, how many of you need some homework to do? You say, homework? Homework? I'm not at school. I'm on holidays. No homework. Well, if you want this year to be an incredible blessing to you, when you get your journal out, you say, I haven't got a journal. Go buy yourself one tomorrow. Huh? After church, go to the news agent, go to the $2 shop, buy yourself a little blank book. And at the top of the page, write this. What do I expect in 2015? What do I expect? What are you expecting? So let me tell you what the natural expectation of the fearful are. There's a lot of people, this is what they expect in 2015. Are you ready? They're expecting disaster. They're expecting disease, despair, dismay, discouragement, disappointment, distress, disillusion, disturbance. A whole bunch of disses is what they're expecting. Are you fearful or are you faithful? Because if you're fearful, I've already given you your expectations. Just write them at the top of your page. But if you're faithful, what do you expect? This is what I'm expecting. God, you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that I ask or think. Matter of fact, whatever I write down, you're able to say, I can beat it. What? You can beat this? Matter of fact, I can exceedingly, abundantly beat it. What? Yeah, you can't even think something that I can't exceedingly, abundantly beat. What? Even if I ask it, you can't even think it, God says. 
Have you got that revelation yet? Or are you sitting there in distress and despair? Oh no, they're coming to get us. We're all going to die. It's the end of the world. Oh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. How many times have you heard people say that? It's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm living in God. It's good now, but it's going to get better and better and better. Why is that? Because you're a good God and I'm expecting you to do amazing things in my life. You say, well, so what are some of your expectations, John? You want to hear some of my expectations for this year? I'm expecting this year to be the year of miracles. I'm expecting it to be a year of miracles. I've got Dane right there on the second row. Three years unemployed, came into this year employed. How good is that? Year of miracles. Right there. Yeah, come on. I'm expecting salvations this year. I'm expecting people to come out of darkness into light. I'm expecting people who were blind to be able to see. Those who were lost to be able to be found. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Touching people right across this city, right across this nation, right across the nations of the world. I'm expecting for people to be delivered from spirits that would haunt them and put them down. I'm expecting people to be delivered from captivity so that they can walk in the freedom that Jesus paid for them to get. Oh, let me tell you, he's setting the captives free. He's breaking the chains of bondage over people's lives so that you no longer have to be chained by bondage but released into the liberty that Jesus paid for when he died upon the cross. Are you expecting deliverance? Are you expecting people to stay in their sin, in their depravity, in their scenario which is hell on earth? Or are you expecting people to come to Jesus, the Prince of Peace and understand his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his beauty, his mercy, his goodness. Oh, he is so full of beauty. He's altogether lovely. To this year, I'm not only believing for miracles and salvation and deliverance, I'm believing for restoration. I'm believing for restoration in homes, in families, in marriages. I'm telling you, in relationships. I'm telling you that God wants to restore that which has been broken. That which has been broken. Don't sit there in your home thinking, God, this is too hard. How are you going to do this? Is there anything too difficult for God? He can Restore broken relationships. I'm believing this here for God to bring back the prodigals. Those that have left the house of God, for them to come back. The prodigals coming back in the name of Jesus at this altar saying, Oh, Father, forgive me. I was lost. The prodigals coming home. The prodigals, some of you right now are grieving over your lost prodigals. Those that were brought up in the house of God. Those that were brought up in children's church, hearing the stories of the goodness of God. But something happened, the enemy came and stole from them that which, the, that which God had laid upon their hearts. And this is the year for the miracles, the prodigals to come home, for restoration to flow in the house of God, for God to come and bring deliverance. 
deliverance, deliverance. I speak it in the name of Jesus. This is the year of miracles, the year of miracles, the year of miracles, the year of miracles. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 